Ladies and gentlemen and hockey fans of all ages, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Hockey Fan Chat. I am your host, Randy Dillon. In this episode of the Hockey Fan Chat, I am joined once again by New York Islander fan Kim. Kim and I are going to talk about how the Islander season has gone, what was the main cause or multiple problems for it, what are the future of this team, how the new arena in Belmont looking, and her favorite player, Robert Leonard. Thank you, Kim, so much for joining us again on the Hockey Fan Chat. I know it's been a while since we've chatted hockey. A lot has gone on with the Islanders, especially this year. I want to get your view on this season the Islanders have had, what is happening, what's going to happen, go forward. For this year, though, I know it's been disappointing. I want to kind of know what the cause is it. Is it because of COVID, the 13-game long road trip, losing Eberle and Letty, or the everything combined? I think you have to go with, there's not one single scapegoat. There's not one single thing where you can point at the season and say, it's this or it's that, you know, it's a combination of things, things that have you know ultimately affected us. I mean, losing Letty and Everly, definitely a detriment. Um, the way the season was laid out in accordance with uh, COVID and the opening of our arena. I mean, COVID kind of delayed the opening of our arena. It was supposed to open preseason and that, that backed it up. And so it backed up our schedule, which didn't help us, didn't let us get into a groove, especially especially when you have new players on a team that have to get used to a new system. That definitely did not help. Uh, and then COVID itself, I mean, the half the team getting sick, having 10 players out and having half an AHL roster on your team, again, de definitely doesn't help. It's a multitude of things that you have to look at and, Maybe, you know, the age of the team. I know that's come into question about the age of the team and maybe the thinking, looking at it going, you know, Barry Trotz is a wonderful coach. Barry Trotz is, I think, is fantastic, but he has one system and we all call it the Barry Trotz system. And thing is, though, with me, and I think it's been shown this season that the Barry Trotz system works only under a certain type of player, in my opinion. So he's got to have the right players onto him to have that system work. So going into that, do you think Barry Trotson is in trouble with his job? Because I know he's next year is his final year of the five-year deal he signed when he with the island. Do you think there's going to be an extension for him or they might not? Because I would assume that he would get an extension on all the success, but with the things you brought up saying that can't change the system, does that hurt his chances for resigning that extension? I mean, it kind of does, but I feel like it's very in favor of him re-signing with the Islanders at this point. I mean, obviously, we're going to have another year to see what Barry, we'll see what Lou does and to see what Barry Trotz does with, uh, you know, this is going to be another lineup. This is, there's going to be changes happening. There's going to be new buys. I mean, if the Islanders, you know, if, if we sell Cal Clutterbuck, things like that at the deadline, um, I saw someone did the math that we could look at an upwards of towards the $25 million this offseason. And that's really huge. You know, we're going to be buyers this offseason. That's a definite certainty. Big question marks are obviously going to be towards the trade deadline. Are we looking to sell? Also, there's been a lot of showing that the Islanders have been scouting at other games this season. So it's going to be interesting to see what Lou does here. But definitely this offseason is going to be a quick question mark. And I think the biggest thing to say about Barry Trotz's resigning is going to be this last season. Do you think there's a pressure on Lou to do something at the deadline? Because going through cap roster earlier today, and I was looking, a lot of their players are signed for a couple of years. Uh, Nelson, Bovillier, the Baileys. And though they're good players, but they're players that 
under contract with term that are hard to trade where Cal Cotter, Bug, Parise are really kind of the only players you can kind of put as rentals. Char is more of a player if he wants to go, he can go, but they're not going to be saying we're going to be trading you. Do you think that kind of ties in hand? Because I know as well he signed Pajot a few years ago to that long-term deal. Paul Mary last year bringing him in and then signing him to that four-year deal. And it just really hasn't helped where I feel Lou really needs to add a superstar to this team. I know last year they were in the hunt for Taylor Hall. It was a struggle. They didn't get it because he wanted to go to Boston, which ironically the, the Islanders knocked him out in the second round, which is awesome. But I feel like that's missing for the Islanders because Barzell's a great player, but he can't do it on his own. I feel like a lot of the players are, when they get hot, they're great. But when they're struggling, it really hurts the team and their offense. No, yeah, that's the biggest question mark with the Islanders is how do we fix our offense? How do we gain more offensive pressure? Like we're always the team with like the least amount of goals in the league. We are always the team that, you know, just doesn't have a shoot first mentality always. And it's always apparent every single game. And yeah, you're right. You know, like we always say like, oh, Matt Barzell can't do it by himself. And that's very true. Uh, But it's funny because, you know. In just in general, I think Matt Barzell is not your pure goal scorer. I look at guys like uh, Paul Mary's finally getting fired up, uh, Brock Nelson. And uh, yeah, you want to add to that. That's the big thing is that you just want to add to just have another guy who's just going to have a shoot first mentality and put in goals and can add to that. I don't know if Lou, I don't want to say Lou has too much pressure on his back. I mean, we're not in a playoff race right here. We're not looking towards the Stanley Cup this year. This is kind of, I'm going to call this like an off year. <laughs> It's just going to be the biggest question is how are we going to refunction and retool this team? And I know a big question mark was Forsberg. And I, I've seen it up and down with uh, Philip Forsberg that uh, Nashville was looking to shop him. Now they're not looking to shop him. But if, God forbid, this is going to be my biggest thing because I want him really bad. If we can get Philip Forsberg into this offseason as a UFA, we got to push for it. We have to do it. I agree with you on that part because I was talking to someone last year and we were talking about the Islanders and saying how Tarasenko on the final year deal would definitely bring a lot to this team. And Lou was very patient this offseason. I think you were saying they have the cap, but they have to make a run at a player like Forsberg at this point because, one, they need the support for Barzell and also help the other player. And I think as well, it adds more to the team when they're in the playoffs. This team shows in the past couple of years, they can compete in the playoffs and beat good teams. When it comes to a team like Tampa, I think that's a struggle where they don't have that player that can take them to that next level or trying to change the game of their stick. Where if you look at it last year, if they would have had a guy like Philip Forsberg that could break the series or get that one goal, who knows? The Islanders could have been winning the cup last year for all we know. Yeah, that's definitely the part that hurts the most. It's the, it's the question marks. It's the mm-hmm. what ifs. It's always the what ifs that hurt the most. And, you know, from then, like looking back, you kind of have to move on and say, well, this is now. So let's go. But you can learn from those what ifs. And what we've learned from those what ifs is this is how we have to change the team. This is how we have to grow. This is how we have to fix what we have. And hopefully in this offseason, obviously, I don't I don't think Char is going to play another year. I think he's going to retire. And it's going to be bringing in another defensive piece, I think. I think what we also need to, like Noah Dobson's stepping up fantastic. I'm loving it. So I know a lot of eyes have been on Robin Salo. Interesting enough, Barry Trotz has said he liked Wotherspoon better. He brought him up this last game. God forbid we needed him uh, against the Blues, which I found interesting. But I don't know, just out of, you know, the top of my head, if Robin Salo is the answer. I mean... It's taking a chance on another young defenseman. Maybe we look for another defensive piece. I think at this point for the Islanders as well, this is just my opinion. I think 
since trots and lamorellas come in, they put a lot in their system, on their young, their farm system, bringing up players, their roster, which is great. But I think at this point, because the expectation for the island this year was to compete for the cup. I think next year the expectation changed the game, and I think that's why there's going to be, my opinion, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Lamorella and Trost to get the job done. So that's why I think they'll definitely have to look elsewhere to get that help to bring it in to their team. Because even trading a guy like when they traded Lad away this year, it, they had to put away so many draft picks. And you think about it, they would have had some of those draft picks this year. They could have maybe helped improve the team a little bit earlier. Yes, but Lad was a necessity. Lad's yeah. contract was horrific. It was just a, it was a mutually beneficial thing for the Islanders and the Coyotes. The Coyotes are looking to rebuild. They need the picks. So they took on our horrible contract for us. The things that Lou needed to fix that mm-hmm. wasn't Lou's fault was the Andrew Lad contract. That is so, true. I think, but I think they gave up maybe a little too much in that extent where they, a lot of picks and they didn't get maybe a if they would have got maybe like even like a fourth or third pick in return, definitely would have helped. But it is what it is. You can't really... They were doing us a favor, honestly, Arizona. So I I understand, you know, they kind of had the up, they had the ace in the sleeve there for getting picks from us and things like that. And that's how that, and that's a smart thing to do is take the contracts that other teams don't want and then just rebuild from there without getting picks and then rebuild from the bottom. I mean, it's a smart way for Arizona to turn this around. You know, people laugh at them now, but in a couple of years, I don't think that's going to be the same thing. Absolutely. I think the, the Islanders did the same thing earlier in the Tavares years where they took on some heavy contracts to, make sure they get the floor but they get the picks in return and definitely help i want to go back to the covid earlier i think how the islanders with the covid issues they got a very short end of the stick i would say shit end because you're saying 10 guys out and when you're looking at other teams where they're canceling game but they're playing game with a small roster as a fan how did that like i would be irritated and you're just wondering what the heck and that definitely was a cost for that if you look like some of the top team maybe like a tampa bay or a pixford or even edmonton with mcdavid where you have all the top players out players out they'll maybe cancel game but the islander they just let them play we weren't the only uh team to have to play with a lot of players out i mean i i know a lot of people brought up san jose with the same issues we were we were the guinea pigs uh i think barry trot said in an interview post game that we were honestly the guinea pigs this season we were one of the first teams to be absolutely obliterated by covid uh roster wise and there was no precedent set in place by gary bettman what how many players it would take to postpone a game there was nothing in place no rules set nothing that was done by Gary Bettman to say okay if a team has an outbreak it's this many players and then no we are stopping the games there's nothing that was in place like that and the Islanders got the brunt of like end of the stick with that because we kept going and going and then finally I mean it was Islanders fans who stepped up and were yelling this is ridiculous and so we finally set a precedent for other teams so they went okay you know like we can't have this happen with every other team in the league so this is what we're going to do now. Like, so honestly, as Barry Trotz put it, the Islanders were the guinea pigs when it came to that. And so again, it is what it is this season. You can't change the past. You can't fix it. The Islanders are usually with always the short end of the stick with anything <laughs> Toronto. I mean, just look at the Palmieri goal that was called a high stick last night. It's just, we're always the short end of the stick, but again, you can't, you just have to keep moving on. You have to keep progressing and you can't just like say, oh, well, you know, this is it. This is what ruined the season for us. Cause no, there's a, Again, like we talked about in the beginning, there's a multitude of uh, reasons why we need to get better. No, and um, this offseason, for me, is going to be the biggest test for a Lou Lamorella. I agree 100%. I think the pressure on Lou to get this team far, because the team, the first few years, he didn't really do anything he, at the deadline. 
he got a couple of years ago, brought in Pajot, signed that extension last year, brought in Paul Mary, and then was again very quiet at the offseason except getting rid of some contracts in cap space, opening up some cap space. But this year, with everything that's happening, because teams are one getting better in the metro, Jersey's going to be climbing up. And then you look at a team like Philly, who knows how they're going to be. And Carolina and New York and the Rangers are going to be at the top. And then you don't know how Washington Pittsburgh are they going to decline or fall. So I think for the Islanders, like they're in that window, I think now it, they, they have to go for it because if they don't, they might fall out of that category. So this offseason definitely will be fair. But what do you think going to happen with Varlamov? Is he part of the plan or is he going to be traded? I know one year left on his deal. It's been a tough year. Sorokin needs a new deal as well. Is he more of a deadline acquisition the Islanders are going to try to get rid of or is it going to be an offseason move? This is going to be interesting um, because Varlamov, either way, he's going to be gone after the season, which is honestly upsetting. I mean, a lot of people are giving him, you know, a lot of slack um, when it really isn't too much of Varlamov's fault. You know, you put in one bad goal here as a goaltender, that's regular. But then when the team falls apart in front of you, what are you supposed to do? I, I really do feel for Varlamov and I love Varlamov and I have a lot of respect for him and what he's given the Islanders over the past few years. I'm very grateful to him. With Varlamov, though, if we could trade him at the trade deadline, that would be interesting because I know there's a lot of teams right now looking for an answer goaltending wise. I know Toronto is one. I know Vegas has been kind of Vegas has been kind of speculating yeah. about it, which uh, if you know me, I'm not too happy about that. No, I, we'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> I know there's a lot of teams talking about goaltending issues. The Avalanche are another team who are been, which I really don't think is an answer, but hey, if they're willing to buy into it, I'll take some stuff. You know what I mean? Like things like that. I think Darcy Kemper is good enough in net for them, but the Avs have been talking about, Toronto's been talking about it. You know, there's a lot of teams who I think would grab at a decent goaltender, like how Varlamov is. And so if we could sell him for, you know, I think it would be good for the Islanders. And especially since I feel like Skerek, down the AHL and the Bridgeport Islanders, the baby Islanders. Uh, he's been really fantastic. I think the Islanders do a fantastic job of developing goaltenders. I, we really do. Uh, Leonard himself said how much Pierre Greco is such a whiz when it comes to developing goaltenders and create, making goaltenders as great as they are. And so I, I would be interested to see bringing up Skarek, how he would play. I think that's going to be true because Mitch Korn, the goaltending coach who with the Islanders, his work in Nashville, and then you look at his work in Washington and what he's done with the Islanders as well, just working with him, and he had something with goalies that definitely worked. You can definitely show how that really helped Varlamov when he first came in Sorokin. For Varlamov, offside, it would be funny if he does go back to Colorado because they brought in Grubauer and told him, see ya, bye. Ecstatic in Colorado, I know. <laughs> When I went down to Colorado, there were signs for Varley there. People wearing their Volamov jerseys. They were like, Varley, oh my God. Like, they still love him down here, there. And it was, it was great to see some love and appreciation yeah. for him. It's just funny, though, because they push him to the side. I know his tender in Colorado was a little bit tough, but he did have some great moments for that team. And But well, it's just you know, funny. As my Avalanche friend said, it wasn't Varlamov. It was the team in front of him. They were horrific. So... <laughs> <laughs> That is true. Yeah, we'll see what happened there. I want to get into the new arena, Belmont. I know we talked about this earlier last show, how it was getting so hard. Now the new arena is finally built. How is it one for location-wise? And how is it like how loud is it? And just overall, because I know Nassau was getting old and then Brooklyn it wasn't built for hockey, but how Belmont? 
All right. To give you a rundown of Belmont, uh, travel wise, it's a little bit longer, obviously it's a definitely a longer trip than, but still you can drive there, which is always a plus, <laughs> always a plus. Um, I know parking situation isn't the utmost. I mean, our parking garage still isn't finished yet. I, I don't think that's going to be finished until uh, this next season coming up. Obviously, the train I think is going to be 100% done for this next season. So obviously, I'm not going to judge parking until everything is 100%. I'm not going to judge and say like, oh, it's horrible getting out of there. Well, yeah, because it's not really finished yet. Uh, I'll say about parking when it's fully completed. They just wanted to get it open to fans and have a, a home because Nassau Coliseum was taken down. When it comes to walking the concourse, I mean, I remember the first, I said the first day walking up to the front doors, it felt like going to Disneyland as an Islanders fan. It really was an experience, you know, being so used to a barn, that little, like that little experience. It was amazing walking up to the front doors, hearing the music blasting from the rooftop bar. Um, there's a connecting restaurant. So if you want to get food before the game, you can. You can get food after the game at that restaurant that's connected to the uh, Coliseum, I was going to say, to uh, UBS Arena. And then when you walk through the front doors, I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. The concourses, I mean, you can't even walk around the entire concourse before the next period starts. I mean, it takes like a whole intermission just to even go halfway around the concourse. It's huge. It's massive. But Ledecky was amazing with listening to fans and making sure it was up to fan standards. Because when you go into the seats, not only is it a great experience from the 100s and it's a great experience from the 300s i sit in the 300s uh as a season ticket holder and it really doesn't feel like a 300 seat i'll tell you that because i have been to barclay center up and all all the way up top i've been to you know other arenas all the way up top because you know you save money i went to the new jersey devils home opener just for funsies with my friends i took a leafs fan a rangers fan and islanders (laughs) went to a devil went to a devil's home opener and because we wanted to And we sat all the way up top. And I remember feeling like I was in outer space up there. I was like, damn, we're high. When you're at UBS, you feel like you're in the 200 section at Prudential. It's such a nice close-up feel and experience. There's really not, ask any Islanders fan, there's really not a bad seat in the house. There really isn't. And when it comes to acoustics, when I was touring the building, when it was still being built, uh, the tour guy said how Ledecky looked into sound acoustics which I asked Ledecky to please look into and he actually did listen and they looked very much into sound acoustics and the first night when it was packed to the brim I'll tell you the down hearing the fan chants it was wonderful I mean nothing will compare to Nassau but damn did he do an amazing job of trying to emulate it the best he could glad to hear it. I know Islanders fan has been through so much through the buildings and stuff and just hearing that how close because I've been seeing a couple of games in Calgary and they actually do have a 300 section you're literally at the top of the building looking down and it feels like you're gonna fall over right? exactly but and the hearing like how that three the two 300 feel like a 200 just like is incredible because you know if you can get a ticket to a game there's no bad seat so whatever you can get is amazing i think the noise level i think it's only gonna get louder if, especially if they can make the playoffs next year and then i think we can maybe hear that loudness noise because i remember yeah. the one game a couple of years ago and again Pittsburgh in 2019 their first round it was loud you could hear from the tv it was loud if it can get that loud, I think the Islanders definitely it's going to be a huge home advantage because teams are going to feel that energy, that excitement. We an Islanders fan, they've shown we are passionate. It's been a while, but when it's time, we're going to come loud and strong. And you bet, 
and you better be re- ready because they're going to feel like there's an extra man hitting and pounding you on the ice. I mean, as Lou Lamarillo said, we are the seventh player. So <laughs> that's the perfect way to put it. But yeah, no, I'm, I did a vlog of the first day and you can hear it there in my vlog of the sound level, at least as best as you can through an iPhone. But <laughs> It really was amazing. I mean, I said how Nassau Coliseum was when it, you know, erupted. It felt like the floor was shaking. You felt like your body was vibrating with the sound. And, you know, I felt that. I felt that the first day, too. So I think it will definitely be as close of an emulation to Nassau as possible. I want to touch on this quickly because Matt Barzell is open to a contract extension this year. Obviously, he's going to be getting a big payday and he rightfully deserves it at the Islanders. As of how much do you think he's going to take or how much you're going to sign for? And do you think that might affect things going forward for the team? Because if he takes a big, like, he's not going to get McDavid money. We know that much at the 12. But he could get something maybe off the match at the 11.5, which might be hard. But it's hard to say. I don't know about 11.5. I, think, I wouldn't say around over 10, honestly. Yeah. I think over 10 is a definite overpayment for Matthew Barzell. I'm not even going to lie about it. Matthew Barzell brings a lot, but uh, with goals, goal scoring and assists, I mean, I feel like he could always bring a little bit more, but obviously his his uh, play on the ice, his work, you know, obviously it's up there. Uh, I would say like, a nice, I mean, a great reasonable contract. If I like, it was like heavenly would be like eight. Oh my God, that would be insane. But yeah, I could see around nine, 10 ish for Matthew Barzell. I could see him pushing that to making us pay for him, honestly. And it's going to be tough. I know a lot of people are scared of him going to the Seattle Kraken because, you know, like him with the Thunderbirds and he was like, oh, this is like home. And people were like, ah, not again. Like, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I could imagine that happened. I I don't know how Islanders fan would feel because that's the second player leaving to go home. Go home, and you just feel like you made this great player, and Not this again. would happen. <laughs> and, the, and the Kraken are even farther down than where the Leafs were. So it's like you really want to be in that position because he's really had a good year in the Islanders. Other than the first year, his first year, maybe this year, he's been in playoffs. He's been competing. So definitely he's been in an interesting spot. So I don't see him going to crack unless he really wants to go. No, home. I was just joking about it. I really don't <laughs> think he will leave. I, I just love like seeing people's like eyes bug out. talking about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I just, Like not again. No, you have, yeah, it's always something you got to bring up because you never know. <laughs> I think if they can get Forsberg, what we talked earlier, it's definitely going to help because he'll finally have a winger he can play. He does so much for the team. He's like one of the best two-way centers you need. And in playoff time, he's a big-time goal scorer. We saw it last year. We saw it in the bubble. When he, when you need a goal from this guy, he will step up. And I think that really what can separate him from a lot of the other players. Yeah, it's just so much want. I just have so much want for <laughs> Forsberg. I, just yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of teams does, but I think for him, it sounds like he does want a big payday. And I think Nashville, they, it can be hard, I think for him as well. And maybe he wants to win. And I think he doesn't know if Nashville can, Nashville, they're in an interesting place where they compete for a playoff spot, but are they good to go far? I think if you look at a lot of the teams where the Islanders have that cast base, they can show they can go far in the playoffs. So I think we're going to say this right here, right now, Philip Forsberg might most likely will be an Islander come the off season. Pat, we oh. we are trademarking this right now. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I have I think to my view because the under if the need it fits both teams. If he wants to win, the under need a winger. It solves two problems. 
the money is going to be interesting, but we'll see what happens. I think the Islanders are the strong possibility more than a lot of teams, unless he wants to just put up points and be happy, but we'll see. It's also like, yeah, like, well, it's also will Forsberg like a Barry Trotz system. How will he operate under one? That's that is the question too. That is going to be the question too as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting things happening, but we'll see what happens. I do want to get into Robert Leonard, your relationship, how you support him. It reminds me kind of of me because growing up, I was a big Roberto Luongo fan. And even when he was traded to Florida, I'm like, I got to watch a little Panther game, see what's happening. Anytime he was in Calgary at the time I was living there, I always got to see him. I unfortunately never got a chance to see him in Florida, but I did one time get a fist bump him when he's on warm up. So that was pretty cool. Nice. I just could imagine like, I know, especially this year, Leonard has gotten a little bit, some backlash when I know his game hasn't been on par, but Vegas had struggled at times. And I know a lot of people are saying that he might not be the guy that can do it in Vegas. When you hear things like that, like, how do you kind of react? And you're just like, but you're always going to support the player no matter what. So with Robin Leonard, I mean, I will forever love him. He, I'm forever grateful to him. I think he's a fantastic netminder. I mean, with the Vegas fan base, it's hard because I know a lot of them got their hearts broken with Marc-Andre Fleury. But the problem is with some of that fan base and you know, Leonard called them the flurry cult. And it's very true. Some of that fan base just takes it all out on Robin Leonard. There's nothing he can do right because he is just not Marc-Andre Fleury. Like some blame him. Like he's the reason that Marc-Andre Fleury was traded. Like, and it's just kind of ridiculous that it doesn't matter, you know, how Vegas plays in front of him. He can make a million stops. He can make 50 stops. And you know, he lets in a goal and they're like, how dare he? You know, like it's always, there's this like constant anger at him when there's sometimes it's nothing he can do. Like, can I, can Robin Leonard have bad games? Of course he can. Everyone's human. Everyone has bad games. And I'm not saying he's perfect. He's definitely had a bad game here or there where I'm like, oh, Leonard, man, that was a softy. But there's games where he's played outstanding for them. And his team doesn't play for him in front of him. And I think they just had a game recently like that. Uh, I forget who they were playing and I texted my friend I'm like it's two nothing because we were just leaving the Islanders game and he goes it's not on Leonard he goes Vegas is playing horrifically in front of him like things like that were but of course it's Leonard's fault when goals go in and it's just things like that It, it hurts to see as a Leonard fan you know I defend him as much as I can especially when I look at replays and things like that I'm like why are they blaming him on this play like things here and there and but I'm not saying he's without fault to this game so you know he could have been a little bit better but guys just coming back from injury right now and I think he had a spectacular game the last time he was in I think he played out of his mind I thought he really was uh, you know feeling good he said he was feeling good in his interview and you know what he tries his best I wish it was seen more like by the fan base of how hard he tries and he plays with his whole heart I 100% agree with you. Definitely reminisced me of the time after 2011 when the Canucks lost the cup. All the blame was on Luongo and people were saying Schneider was the better goalie where they both had two franchise goalies that time, but the fan base took it more out on Luongo a little bit more kinder to Schneider. I think as well for Leonard, like, Vegas brought him in at the time they knew they had Flurry under contract and they gave him that deal. So it's not on him for to get blamed for what the, the decision of the ownership does, how they handled that situation with Flurry. I think for him, he's an athlete. He's there to do his job to stop the puck, get a team win, and take his team hopefully to a Stanley Cup. I think for Vegas, yeah, Flurry definitely played his best for Vegas. He did a lot of great things. But when the organization made that decision, 
you can't do, really do that for and I know as well how Flurry was treated as well and how it all ended for Flurry as well in Vegas. Definitely you can't put that on Robert Leonard because it was the organization decision. They're the one who decided to move him. There's nothing you can really do about that, but he definitely, I think the expectation for Vegas is to go far this year. And I think for him, if he can take Vegas to another final and even win the cup, he could say those naysayers definitely will. People are going to say he got lucky. The people who will, who were like saying, oh, well, he's not Mark andre Fleury, yeah. you know, boo, boo, boo. Mm-hmm. They'll be the ones bowing at his feet. Like, exactly. It's very hypocritical. Like, and it's funny because Mark andre Fleury and Leonard are great friends like mm-hmm. you saw the warm-ups before the Blackhawks Vegas game they came over and said hi to each other and like goofing off like hitting each other and stuff like that like they're great friends and it's so funny that Flurry's fans like just hate Robin Leonard just because he's not Flurry. I, I completely agree but we'll see what happens I think if you can have a good playoffs he'll definitely calm down some of the naysayers but again you can't control what the team in front of you do because we've seen Vegas the last few years they haven't been able to score in the third round so and also they've been the big uh, issue with Vegas right now is injuries. I mean, keeping healthy. I don't know the last time they played with a full healthy roster. I don't think they have. I don't know. I It's difficult now. I know Patrick is again out. Mark Stone's out on LTIR. If they go to playoffs, I don't know if we're going to see a Mark Stone like Kucherov move here, but like. <laughs> I think it's going to happen, but I don't think Vegas is a build as Tampa Bay was. I think Tampa Bay, they had everything done. I think Vegas, they still have some holes they got to figure out. Yeah. Especially on their D and Defense, definitely, yeah. they're definitely their lower line. But we'll see what happens. Before I let you go, Kim, I just want to ask you about Zodano Chara being in the island. I know last year, him signing Washington, I was ecstatic. I, I have all the respect in the world for Chara, uh, the player. I actually have a Chara Bruin shirt. I know I get a lot of flack for that when I was younger. But... I think for him, starting his career on the island, then coming back and possibly finishing career on the island, just incredible. I know you hear all the stories, but just seeing him on the team, especially this year, because last year, we couldn't really see how Chara was due to COVID and all that. But this year especially, how has it just been having the big guy play for the team? And not on that, breaking the record, being the all-time most game played by a defenseman. Yeah, I've been a Char fan since I was six years old. Uh, I have family who are Bruins fans, and I, so I learned about him very young. And I, he was, I was like, oh, he was an Islander. That's cool. Like he, like he got like little bonus points for me there. <laughs> but my grandma loved Johnny Boychuk. I used to watch Char and him play together all the time. And so I grew up watching Zdeno. Like people ask me, like who's like your favorites around the league, and like I would be like Zdeno. Like straight up would be like one of my favorite other players that are not on the Islanders because. I, you know, I've just watched him play my entire life. I really respected him. I watched him with the cup in 2011 with the Bruins. So my grandmother and my family, and we were all, we were all ecstatic. We were all cheering and we were like so happy. And when Boychuk came over, it was the kind of the same experience as I've had with Zdeno. It was just pure, like, no way, like, no way. Like, I never thought I would see him in an Islander sweater again. It was pure like excitement. I was so I called my um my cousin who is the Bruins fan, and it was nuts. It was bittersweet, you know, with everything. It's just, I had some just personal stuff happen to me this year, but it's been amazing to see him back in blue and orange. I mean, this I went to the NHL store in New York City because it just recently opened, and I went in there and I went Char jersey, please. <laughs> it was first thing I bought this for this season was a Char jersey, and. Uh, it's been amazing to watch him and I, so I go up to the boards actually I made him uh, I don't, you know the fat heads mm-hmm, yeah I make a fat head for him and oh, I put awesome. it to the boards and he always he always warms up on the blue line it's so sad I know this he always <laughs> warms up on the blue line and so 
we had this thing every game where he would look up and he saw me and he'd smile at me <laughs> and he'd, he'd be like, thank you. Like, it was so funny. He's, he threw me, I have in my display right now, five pucks from him. Oh, that's awesome. He's so good to the fan. He's so good to the fans. Yeah, People don't realize the kind of guy he is with. He really cares about fans and oh, no. making sure they have a great experience too. Like uh, if you haven't read an article about Zaneno, mm-hmm. I highly recommend doing it. Oh, hundred. Uh, it was just so funny. He was coming off the ice. He was throwing a puck and I, I was there. I mean, I had my pucks. I was good. Like, even if I got one, I was going to give one to the kid, but he looks at me and he goes, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, I definitely, even when Char was playing with, I think with the Bruins in 2011, when I was cheering for the Canucks at that time, I definitely, that was one player you can't hate on. He's, uh, he's done so much for the game. He's a big guy. He's one, I think, the, the great personality on the team. He's just someone you can't hate. He's done so much for the game and how he's been an ambassador as well, not only for the teams he played with, but for the international market also. So I think he's definitely a pleasure, I would say, to have on your team. And then, unfortunately, it doesn't go the way the Islanders wanted this year, but still just that experience. And I think as well, the ceremony the other day where they honored him, that just... That was wonderful. That was wonderful to see with his whole family there. All his little boys were so (laughs) cute. But also, I think what's gone underrated is I wonder how much uh, he has influenced our young defenseman like a Dobson. How, you know, Dobson has stepped up this season. Everyone's seen it. Goal scoring, like beautiful, like Ryan Pollock shots. Like he has really grown in confidence and shown to be, I mean, he still missteps here and there in the zone. You know, he's still a young kid, but. I think it's really underrated to say, you know, he's been paired up with uh, Zdeno. And I wonder how much Zdeno has rubbed off on him. I would say he did a lot. Last year with the Capitals, Nick Jensen, there was a, he was just horrible. Him playing with Chara and how he's playing this year, the guy that different players. So Chara definitely had something. And I think as well, just the leadership factor he brings in and how he commands the room, how the respect, how the key He's not the same player he was, no doubt about it. He just catch up to him. But he still has qualities in him that can definitely make a team better. Absolutely. He's leadership in the room. I mean, you just hear what the players say, say about him. I uploaded the ceremony about what uh, other players said about him around the league, too. I put that on YouTube as well, his ceremony. Um, but to hear what other players have to say about him is just extraordinary. His influence. You know, he was a person who was told was never going to be a hockey player. He was told he was cut from his Slovakian team six times because he was too tall and he was too flimsy. And they said, you'll never be a hockey player to him. And he took that as motivation. And I think that's what really made me love watching him is that, again, like the Islanders, we have the mentality prove people wrong. And that's Sedano Chara. He, you know, he was, he was a gamble a little bit for the Islanders organization when they first picked him up, but to see him blossom as the defenseman, he is hardest shot in the league, tallest player, but also just one of the most scariest to play against Mm -hmm. because of his size, but also his strength and his, his uh, hockey IQ. I mean, some of the times he pick up the puck and I thought he would just pass it to the left of the blue line in a neutral zone. And he passed it all the way cross ice to the right. I'm like, whoa, I didn't even see that player there. Like he is incredible hockey IQ and to see it is really something. No, oh, exactly. And he stands up for his team as well. Like we, we've seen it, like I think last year with the Capitals, he got in some fight this year in the Islanders. He's not in fight with guys. So he's still not someone to say, I'll stand up for your my team. That will make yeah, me Even at 44, guys. he's still fighting players. I mean, I know. 
someone hit Noah Dobson hard. And what does he do? He gets up and he fights the guy who hit Noah like in the head. Like, you know what I mean? He still stands up for his teammates. Like he's that guy who's always going to be there for you no matter what, because he's your teammate and you know, you are a family. Like that's what I, that's why I love and respect about him. Perfect. Now that is great to hear. Well, Kim, I appreciate you again joining us on the episode. Thank you so much for giving us the insight on the Islanders this season. It's been tough, but if the right moves are made, I think they'll be back competing next year and possibly competing for a chance for the cup. Thank you so much again. Take care. Thank you, Randy. Yeah.